What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, on this beautiful Sunday night. Noah, what's cooking, dude? Feeling pretty good, Colin. Um, back to have you on a Sunday episode. Uh, last Sunday was pretty lonely uh, with me doing all the talking. Uh, I'm pretty glad you're back. And also, my Pacers got a nice little dub over the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. Uh, it was a little closer than I wanted it to be, but it was one of the first games where I think Brogdon, Sabonis, and Karis LeVert have really clicked since um, we've made the trade for Karis LeVert. Uh, Brogdon tonight, just to show you, had 29 points, 9 rebounds, 11 assists. Karis had 34 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. And Sabonis had 18 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, so it was really nice seeing those three guys really figure out... Um, just how to play with each other, how to play around each other, and it kind of excites me for the rest of the season. I'm hoping they can continue that trend because, you know, when they're all playing um at their highest level, that's a pretty dangerous trio to face. No, that's a, that's a formidable team right there, and it's going to be the Pacers' core for a little bit. You know, you've got all those guys under contract for at least the next year. So, yeah, you'd love to see those guys gelling, figuring it out, and hopefully you guys can push for one of these playoff spots, but not if that means that the Bulls won't get one, who unfortunately were not able to pick up a dub tonight. In the second game in a row, Zach Levine has just absolutely torched the game, and it has not amounted to a win, and I'm not going to lie, Noah, I'm getting pretty frustrated. Uh, Since the Vooch trade, we have won a grand total of two games. Yeah. Three games. Three games. Three games. Yeah. I th- I think um I think we both knew it was gonna take some time for, you know, Vooch and the new guys to gel together with Zach Levine, but it's um it's not looking great so far, but I still have faith in the Bulls. And you know, my Pacers actually played the Timberwolves this week too, Con. And I don't know if you watched the Bulls game, but the Timberwolves kind of trap you into playing um, their type of style, which is no defense at all. We're going to try and score as many points as we can. And the Pacers fell just exactly into that same trap that I think the Bulls kind of did tonight. Uh, when we played them, we put up 141 points on them, which was our is our highest total this year so far. So, you know, the, the Wolves may come off and seem as like an easy dub, but they're really not, um, especially when they have Carl Anthony Towns. You know, he's a force all no, on his own. Absolutely, no, they're not a fourteen win caliber team when you actually look at the roster because Delo's missed a good chunk of games too. But it's just frustrating at this point, knowing that we're trying to make a playoff push. But to that point, the Bulls' strategy really isn't a, a defensive focus either. I mean, the Bulls have one of the worst defenses in the league this year and to that end we lost a game that Zach Levine put up 50 points 39 in the first half we lost the game and the Hawks shot 72% inside the three point arc Wow! you're not going to win very many games when you just let teams get to the bucket like that because that's what that means you're just letting up easy layups dunks three footers all day because if a team's going to beat you shooting 72 percent on 18 footers so be it 
But that's not what's happening. You're letting teams get to the rim. You're letting Trey Young just have his way because, well, Levine has 50. Trey Young puts up 42. He could get to the hoop without question. It was just too easy for him. And the Bulls need to go out and get a point guard that can play perimeter defense. They can play defense for that matter. Because Zach, well, that's... You know what? Honestly, Kristen might not be the absolute worst option out there, but I'd like to get more of an upgrade from Kristen. Um, it's just tough knowing that the offense is there right now and the defense is just nowhere to be found. Yeah. So I do have faith that it can be picked up, but it's going to take some time, and I think it's going to take uh, maybe some new personnel. Yeah. Um, what I noticed from that game against the Hawks con was Levine and Gallinari account or not Gallinari sorry Levine and Vucevic accounted for 75 of the Bulls 108 points and the next highest score was Kobe White with 11 and it kind of just shows that like the Bulls really need just one guy out of your young core to just step up and show that they want to be that third best player on your team and I mean same story tonight your third highest score was Dan was Troy Bound with 15 points it's just like if you could have another consistent like fifteen to eighteen point per s- score per night, that could that could change the Bulls' like entire identity at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. Because at this point, I mean, Levine and Vucevic, that is a lot of offense right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, seventy-five points. I don't think that will be the last time that those two individuals combine for an absurd amount like that. But it gets to the point where it's just simply not being enough. Um, I think what I really would also like is to go out there and find just one of these sh- sharp shooters, like a Joe Harris, that's just going to put up 44%, because the Bulls don't really have that either. Well, other than Levine, but he's not exactly a, a sharp shooter. He's more of a create-your-own-shot type shooter. Because um, off the pick-and-rolls, if we could just have somebody stand in the corner as an outlet pass for threes, I mean, you're going to get five of those a game, and if mm-hmm. you can sink two, three... That's all they need. going to take that. Yeah. That's, that's the Bulls would love to have that right now. And, you know, the Pacers got a guy who I think um, fills that role really well, and I think he also kind of helps fill the role of that Bulls identity of not really playing defense, and I think Doug McDermott could be a very nice addition to the Bulls at this point. <laughs> Just a guy who has, he's unconscious. Like, if he gets the ball at the three-point line and you give him more than, like, a foot of space, he's jacking up that three. And I kind of love what he does for the Pacers, and I do agree that the Bulls could use a guy like that. Well, other than that the, the he doesn't play defense, I would like somebody that does play defense. I, I still enjoy that part of uh, what somebody might be able to contribute, but I'll take Doug back. I always like him on the Bulls. I had no problems with him. Do you think Garrett Temple could fill that role for you, Colin? Well, Garrett Temple's currently on the Bulls. He's been injured, I know, but uh, no. I don't think Garrett Temple is necessarily a player that we're looking for. Temple's just a little bit old. I'm pretty sure he's like 34 at this point. You know who you need? Something like that. Joe Harris. The Duke. Wayne Ellington. Honestly, that really isn't a terrible option. 
It could happen. It could happen. I think this is his last year under contract with the Pistons. <laughs> oh, I can already see it now. Wayne Ellington signs in the summer with the Bulls. You pissed off next year when he's not playing any defense. Uh, but, yeah, no. I mean, a, a defensive-minded playmaking point guard is really where oh, Lonzo we Ball need to go. Would have been so nice for the Bulls. I still think he might come. I think there's a very good chance Lonzo. I definitely think back. there's a sign and trade situation where Laurie goes to the Pelicans and Lonzo comes to the Bulls. I could see it. I could very much see it. Um, but the point guard free uh, free agency is actually pretty ripe this year for veteran point guards. Have I read you the list of who's going to be a free agent this year? No. So it's Chris Paul, Lonzo Ball, Mike Conley, Kyle. Well, actually, Chris Paul is a player option. I doubt he's going to opt out though because he's getting paid like forty million bucks. Um, but Mike Conley's going to be available. Um, Alonzo's going to be available. Lowry's going to be available. Um, and then if we wanted to kind of dip down into like the next tier, Spencer Dinwiddie's available. Schroeder's available. Um, those are all more attractive options than what we're going with right now. Mm-hmm. I like the thought. I like the thought of Lowry on the team. That kind of, that kind of makes me happy. Right. I think Kyle Lowry could be a, a really nice piece for the Bulls. And um, I think he brings that he like continues to play well. Yeah, he brings that Chris Paul effect too. You know, like Lowry steps into the team, you know that he's like one of the alphas, one of the leaders in that locker room and on the court, which I think the Bulls need because I mean Zach Levine's still pretty relatively young in the league. Um. He's still coming he's up, you know? Yeah, he's got time. He's definitely got time. Um, and Vooch is a little bit on the older side. Well, he's at 30, you know, tipping the scale a little bit, um, but still definitely in his prime. But Lowry at 34 is putting up 17 points, five assists, four and a half boards. Or no, he's putting up seven assists. Seven assists, I mean... I'm pretty sure at this point Levine is the highest assisting player on the Bulls. So getting a true blue point guard in there, uh, I wouldn't mind it. Lowry would be a really good mentor for Kobe too, which I think Kobe's in need of. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Kobe just seems very lost right now. Um, yeah. I think it's really tough for him because at the beginning of the season, he was given the reins of point guard, and he was kind of flourishing. And it just slowly started to fall off. You know, the turnovers were always a problem, but he was able to score. And there were some games at the beginning of the season where he was just going off. Like, he put up 38 in a game, and at the beginning of the year, we were talking Kobe White, talking Kobe White. And now, kind of, you know, like, the Bulls Reddit has turned against him a little bit because... He hasn't been producing like he was at the beginning of the season. Now he's coming off the bench and Sadoransky's starting. So, no, I agree that he still has something in him. Um, he just needs – I don't know what he needs to figure it out, though. I think 
being able to play at shooting guard would help him a little bit, but I don't know what the answer is. I'm a little bit lost with Kobe right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, with young guards, we see who get to take over the reins of teams early. Um, we know turnovers are always going to be a problem, but that's hopefully something that can be fixed with just more games played. But, you know, Kobe... Kobe's a score-first guard. As as much as you want to think about him as a playmaker, he's a score-first guard. Um, and, you know, passing is just something that you have to learn and you have to practice. And I think he would really... He really could thrive with um, the mentorship of, like, a Chris Paul or a Kyle Lowry. Someone who's been there, done that, has been a veteran in the league, knows how to win, knows how to play the point guard role effectively to help the rest of his team. I think that would be something super great for Kobe at this point, who I still have a lot of faith in. Um, it's only his second year, right? Yeah. And, yeah, like, he's he, he, he still could be the Bulls' future point guard. It's just going to take some time, which I don't think Bulls fans should be mad about. The kid's, like, 20. We need superstars right now. <laughs> The fact that he's not a superstar right now kind of bust, me off, dude. bust. But yeah, we'll see what happens with the Bulls this off season. Um, honestly, at this point, if we're gonna continue to to play like crap, I kind of wouldn't. It wouldn't be the worst thing if we missed the playoffs. If we had a nice run in the play-in tourney. Uh, just to kind of get that experience. Um, and then, obviously, you know, if we could hit in the lottery, that'd be huge because then we'd, like, get to keep our pick. Like, in the if we get, like, a top four pick. Mm-hmm. So, maybe that happens. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm still rooting for the Bulls hard to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not. Unless the Pacers secure a spot. Sorry, dude. Mm, that's fine. Which that's fine. I don't know if they are at this point. Um, I just last week I was kind of hoping the Pacers would just turn the season into a tankathon, get us a good pick. But yeah, uh, but then the playoffs come and you're like, no. Yeah, I'm like, I want to see us get swept in the first round, dude. Oh, I would love to get swept in the first round. I'd pay so much money to watch that. Alrighty, should we get into the Week 16 preview? So yeah, we're kind of coming up on fantasy playoffs. Playoffs are looming uh, in our points league. Con, we only have two more regular season games before the playoffs, and in our categories oh. league, we only have one more week before the playoffs. And you know, it seemed like a pretty long time ago when we were doing our week one fantasy preview, and it seemed like the playoffs were super far away, and now they're here. That's just not the case. Now they're here, and, you know, with the playoffs being so close, Colin, I think the content that we make and that other people make on the in the fantasy basketball realm I think becomes even more important because you're looking to just get that... You're looking to get the most slight edge you can on your opponents, and, um, you know, who knows? That slight edge could be the determining factor between you making the playoffs, you not making the playoffs, or you winning your league or coming second in your league. 100%. That's why we're here, though. Yes, so sir. You're the one finishing ahead. Duh. Yeah, and I think I got some really spicy picks this week that um have really good rest of season potential. But... I am very interested in these picks, and I'd like to get into it. So without further ado, we're just going to go over the schedule real quick, 
long-time listeners, you're going to know how this works, but we still got to break it down for you because it's always helpful and it always matters. Teams with four games this week. The Nets, the Hornets, the Bulls, the Mavs, the Warriors, the Rockets, the Pacers, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Grizz, Heat, T-Wolves, Pelicans, Knicks, Thunder, Magic, Suns, Kings, Spurs, Raptors, Jazz, and the Wizards all playing four games. That's tough to memorize. I'm going to give you the teams with three games, maybe a little bit easier. You know, if you're going to pick up these guys, make sure you got waiver spots. Because the Hawks, Celtics, Cavs, Nuggets, Pistons, Bucks, 76ers, and the Trailblazers are only playing three games this week. So streaming guys off those teams, just a little bit less attractive, Noah. Just a little bit less attractive. Yeah, um, especially just playing one less game with how close the playoffs are. Um, it's just really important that you're not picking up guys from those teams when you could be picking up a guy from another team that plays one more game. And I think that leads into how many teams are playing each day this week. And on Monday, on Monday we have 18. On Tuesday, we have 12. On Wednesday, we have 24. On Thursday, we have 8. On Friday, we have 22. On Saturday, we have 12. And on Sunday, we have 16. So you're looking at two stack days on Wednesday and Friday where you're definitely going to have full lineups. But then you're also looking at three pretty low-volume game days in Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday where you're really going to be wanting to pick up guys. You're going to want to know the back-to-backs, which is what I want to get into next um, because these back-to-backs play really hard into how much value you can really get out of um, your waiver wire pickups in a week. So on Monday, Tuesday, we have the Lakers, the Suns, and Utah playing on a back-to-back. So that's important because you can be getting, um, you can be picking up one of those guys on Monday and getting a game out of them on Tuesday, a low-volume game day. Um, on Tuesday, Wednesday, we have Charlotte, Indiana, the Clippers, Miami, OKC, and Toronto all playing back-to-backs. On Wednesday, Thursday, we have Cleveland, Golden State, Milwaukee, and Sacramento all playing in a back-to-back. And then on Thursday, Friday, Colin, we have no back-to-backs, um, as is the case on Saturday, Sunday, also no back-to-backs. Um, on, fr- oh, interesting. on Friday, Saturday, we have the Bulls, Pistons, Memphis, the Spurs, Utah, and Washington all playing in a back-to-back. And on Sunday, Monday, we have Houston, Indiana, Miami, and OKC playing on a back-to-back. Um, back-to-backs are always huge in the fantasy world, um, not only in getting value, um, not, not only in getting value out of one guy, and um, also you got to be aware of guys resting. Yeah, I think what's really important to highlight about this week is picking up guys on the Cavs, Warriors, Bucks, and Kings to capitalize on that Wednesday-Thursday back-to-back. Mm-hmm. With only eight teams playing on Thursday, um, if you're in a hyper-competitive league, you know, where waiver wire is pretty active, uh, Trish, looking ahead to make sure you maximize the amount of players plan on that Thursday is pretty important so going out and get them earlier rather than later and waiting till Thursday to make those um, pickups for the low volume day you know get just do it on Wednesday do your homework early get Cavs players get Warriors players get Bucks players and get Kings players that's really it Noah that's really it it's as simple as that honestly 
And that kind of leads into my next part of the schedule, which is my teams to stream section. Um, as we already said, the low volume game days are Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And my first team that I like this week are the Los Angeles Lakers, who have games on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So three out of their four games are on those low volume game days. And the Lakers are a team with, when they're playing without LeBron and um, AD, they're kind of a goldmine for fantasy wise because. Um, any guy on that Lakers team can really pop off on just any given night and um, turn out to be a really good fantasy pickup. So you're looking at guys like Markeith Morris, um, Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker, um, any of those guys. Uh, I like the Suns for the exact same reason I like the Lakers. They play on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you're looking at guys like Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, Dario Saric, Campaign. Um, and then moving into teams that play three games this week, I like the Celtics and the Hawks. Oh, sorry. What was it? No, can I say one real thing? The Lakers are also actually missing Kyle Kuzma right now. Ooh. So that makes them an even bigger gold mine. Because they're, that's, I'm pretty sure, your top three scores. Uh, maybe Dennis Schroeder's up there, too. Mm-hmm. But there are so many points to be had. Just so many untapped players right there that are going to be getting minutes in these next couple of weeks. Very true. Uh,. I like the Celtics, who play on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And then I also like the Hawks, who play on Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. So if you're really trying to, you know, optimize this week, you could be picking up a guy on Monday, um, one a Lakers guy or a Phoenix guy or Utah guy who plays on that Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back. And then, as you already said, Colin, you're picking up a guy on Wednesday, Thursday, who plays in one of those back-to-backs from either the Cavs, the Warriors, the Bucks, or the Sacramento Kings. And then you could pick up a Celtics guy on Saturday, drop him on Sunday morning, pick up a Hawks guy. Um, and that's just a easy way of optimizing your pickups and drops to just get you the max amount of points that you need, uh, which I really am a fan of. Hey, I'm a fan of that too, baby. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Alrighty. Um, is there anything else left with this schedule that we should let the listener know about or is it time to get into waiver pickups and guys that have some potential rest of season value i think it's time colin uh i'm really excited about my picks this week well and so you've said so i see that you have a couple guys um all pretty interesting and exciting picks uh none of these guys jump off um, as guys that maybe at the beginning of the season I knew very much about if anything at all so let's start off with uh, a guy who I actually thought you misspelled when you first entered it yeah and that guy is Jalen McDaniels not Jaden McDaniels who plays on the Minnesota Timberwolves um, Jalen McDaniels actually plays on the Charlotte Hornets and is currently 11.3% roster on ESPN. And he's one of the guys who has really, um, s- he's one of the guys who stepped up big time due to the injuries on the Hornets. Um, currently, the Hornets have Gordon Hayward out, LaMelo Ball out, Malik Monk, and PJ Washington. They're all out due to injury. And, you know, before this week, um, he kind of broke out, but before that, he had only played in 23 games and averaged 10 minutes in those games. And now he's looking to be a pivotal part of the Hornets' rotations after starting the past three games in place of Bismack Biombo and Cody Zeller. And I think the Hornets are at their best, Colin, when they're playing small ball play style. 
um, you know, when they're running the floor, getting up and down, getting Miles Bridges dunks. Um, And then Jalen McDaniel's last three games as a starter, he's averaging 30 minutes, 16 points, 5 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 1.3 steals, and a block a game. Um, He had usage rates in those three games of 18.6, 17.9, and 16.7, showing that, you know, he gets the ball, he gets to put up shots, he gets to get other peripheral stats, and I think he's going to play a pretty big role for the Hornets. And even when some of these guys come back, um, we know LaMelo isn't coming back. Gordon Hayward's still like two and a half weeks from coming back. I think he's going to make an argument to get the minutes. Because um, why would the Hornets play Bismack, Biombo, or Cody Zeller when they're both free agents this summer? Um, when you could play this young guy in Jalen McDaniels, who seemingly looks to be a part of the Hornets' futures now. And I think he brings a pretty unique and helpful stat profile. Uh, both in terms of points league and categories because you're looking at a guy who gets minimum like one of each stat which in categories is huge Uh, what do you think about that Colin I love the analysis I'll fight you a little bit on the idea of why would you play Zeller or Biombo Uh, the Hornets are fourth in the east right now fourth or fifth in the east right now and very much look like they're going to be a playoff team and if they're going to play in that 4-5 seed game, it's a very winnable series for them. And at that point, I would still be trying to just win uh, and maybe not necessarily develop um, a guy such as Jalen McDaniels. Why not so both? I Well, why not both? That is the million-dollar question and, and maybe a question that the Hornets will answer for us. Um, but my point being... I could see his usage dropping fairly significantly once those guys are back. Um, but I'd also understand if they like what Jalen's bringing and find value in his skill set in terms of allowing the Hornets to win. Because without Ball, without Hayward, they've still stayed afloat in a very, very impressive way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The Hornets have really um, they're one of the probably the most surprising storylines of the season so far. Um, I think we knew they were going to be better than they were last year, just purely through the acquisition of Gordon Hayward and Lamelo Ball. But I really didn't expect them to be this good. You know, the guys that they're the young guys that they chose to uh, really put their money on in Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. They've really shown that. They're legit NBA players, and I don't see any reason why the Hornets can't be a force in the East for years to come, honestly. No, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I think that LaMelo Ball still might win Rookie of the Year. I don't actually think that. I think he might deserve it, though. Uh, It does appear that um, Anthony Edwards or Therese Halliburton is going to take it. Probably Ant, but is what it is there. Um this is a nice roster, though, and to get back to Jalen McDaniels, yeah, incredibly young, and he's got a lot of potential and the correct time to capitalize on that potential. Very much so. Um, I really, it's kind of felt like a trend of this season, Colin. We've been just seeing some of these guys come out from the woodwork that uh, were relatively unknown, and then, you know, just a couple injuries happen, and we see these guys turn into budding fantasy stars. Yeah, and 
that's what you're looking for. I think that's what we can do best is try to find those guys. And so I always get stoked when there's not, – not that there's injuries, but when there's opportunities for these young guys to just break out. Uh, and it's been fun seeing some of these dudes this year. I'm pretty pumped about it. Alrighty. Uh, the next guy on my list, um, this is a no-brainer to me, but he's 50% rostered. And that is far too little for this guy that I'm about to tell you about, Noah. Um, this guy that I'm about to tell you about is a walking bucket. Um <laughs> But he's just wet. He's one of the wettest players around. And he's also one of the hottest cold players around. And that is Gary Trent Jr. Oh, let's go. He had a very, very interesting last week. Because he played a game against the Chicago Bulls. In which he played 39 minutes. And depending on the fantasy league you are in... uh, scored negative and a half points negative 0.5 points in 39 minutes of play that is atrocious <laughs> However, it's hard to do almost questioning how he did that yeah right um you miss a lot of shots you <laughs> take a decent amount two days later he puts up 72 fantasy points putting up 44 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, and a steal, and a litany of 3-pointers made. This is a guy who, when he's on, he's on, and I don't believe he's ever going to have a a game again this season where he scores negative points. Um, I'd be shocked, but if, for whatever reason, he's on the waivers in your league, pick him up. Because he is slowly, no, not even slowly, he has quickly worked his way into becoming one of the primary shot takers for the Raptors, and he's pretty damn good at it. Yeah, uh, it kind of feels like he's been like a a Raptor for life, Colin, Um, since the trade. um, I think that, I can't remember exactly, but the Raptors got into a little scuffle in a team with another team, and Gary Trent was one of the first guys um, to defend his other Raptor boys. And since then, he's also hit a game winner for them, and he just dropped 44 points against the Cavs. And it, it feels like he was just like it feels like he's been a Raptor for life. Um, he fits in really well with the team. He also I also think he fits really well with their timeline. And yeah, as you said, he's um he gets to shoot the ball a lot. Um, he actually took the most shots tonight for the Raptors with 18 attempts, uh, which is kind of crazy for a guy who was just like couple years ago was relatively unknown and it kind of makes me think that the Blazers were underusing this guy yeah I think so too I had a friend recently right before the like when I was texting about the trade he was like man like I really feel like the Raptors just straight up won this trade and I was like really I mean they, they gave did. up Norman Powell who has been a very solid player. I mean, I think that he's really going to help the Trailblazers this year. He does a lot of the X's nose stuff, fills the blanks, just does a little bit of everything. I was like, man, I, I kind of like it for the Trailblazers. He's like, all I know is that anytime I've turned on a Blazers game, he just doesn't miss from deep. 
And I was like, well, how many Blazers games have you watched? And he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> but he turned out to kind of be right. And for that reason, uh, just pick him up. Wow. I'm actually I'm actually really glad time. you suggested him. He, um, When I was making the notes earlier today, he was actually a guy I wanted to write about. And I just completely forgot about him, honestly. So, you know, good little uh, yeah, dude, good pickup, uh, Colin. That's a good pick right there. Fifty percent is way too low. Fifty percent is way too low. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't know how how fifty percent is is owning him, but yeah, he's uh he's top five. He's top fifty point scores in the last two weeks as well. Wow. So, yeah. Wow! 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 Yeah, I don't think he. If he's on your waiver right now, go pick him up. He should not be available. Alrighty. The next guy on your list, Noah, is... He is also a Toronto Raptor, um, and that is Malachi oh. Flynn. That is Malachi Flynn, who is currently 22.85% roster on ESPN. And, um, you know, Lowry came back tonight after being in, after missing like eight days, I think. And Van Vliet, Van Vliet missed tonight's game as well, and he's also been missing games here and there. And that's let Flynn step into a pretty good role for the Raptors. Um, even when Lowry and Van Vliet are both healthy, I think Malachi Flynn will remain the backup point guard for the Raptors um, because they traded Terrence Davis and Norman Powell at the deadline. And over his last five, gave Colin, five games, Colin, he's averaging 34 minutes, 14 points, 6.4 assists, 4.8 rebounds, and 2.8 steals. Um, he had a season-high 20 oh points God. on Saturday. And in tonight's game, he played 27 minutes, got you six points, five rebounds, four assists, and one block. Um, his usage rate in those five games, Colin, he's been over 15% in all five of those games with an 18.8% average. Um, I don't. He's not the most efficient scorer, but he makes up for it with his other peripheral stats. And he was the Raptors' first-round pick in the 2020 draft, so... You know, he's going to get a good chance from the Raptors to grow and keep producing for the rest mm-hmm. of the season to show what he really is. And he's a guy I really liked pre-draft, um, just like Jalen McDaniels. He went to San Diego State, and I feel like San Diego State just produces, like, those dog kind of guys, Colin, who, um, you know, do a little bit of everything. They're really good defensively, and I really like Malachi Flynn. And even before he drafted, I thought the... I thought the Raptors were a really good situation for him to go to, and he didn't really get to play that much at the beginning of the season, and then his dad actually tweeted out, like, that there was no reason he shouldn't be playing for this Raptors team, and since then, they started playing him, and he's producing really well, and I really only see him going up from here. Um, The Raptors need a guy like him to come off their bench and produce. Um, I feel like the Raptors, Colin, used to kind of tip their hat on how good and deep their bench was and that's not really the case anymore um those bench guys have either became starters for them or if they've traded them and malachi flynn i think will be um the sixth their sixth go-to sixth man which i'm really excited about and a pick i feel like not a lot of people know about yeah i do it was one that was definitely glossed over an older rookie uh than what we're usually seeing actually played all four years of college because he's 22 right now um or declared as a junior declared after his junior season so um definitely not an 18 or 19 year old uh total brand new prospect so has a little bit more experience under his belt 
Yeah, you mentioned that he might not be the most efficient scorer. He's actually shooting 36% from the field right now through 28 games, which you don't love to see, but I think it's something that you definitely expect to go up. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that I have anything else to say that you didn't cover. I like your point that the bench unit of the Raptors is starting to dwindle if it hasn't already dwindled. Uh, the steal numbers really stand out to me. Those are are numbers that are going to make an impact, especially in a categories league. And I think that it's a good pickup. Yeah, and I think uh, I actually love the archetype of Malachi Flynn when teams are looking to draft a back guard, a backup point guard type player. Um, I like the guys, when you're looking for a backup point guard, I like it to see a guy who played multiple years in college who the Raptors know they might not have the time to develop this guy. But when he comes in, um, Malachi Flynn kind of is what he is. Um, he has a higher floor than some of these younger 18, 19-year-olds, but maybe a lower ceiling, which I think is fine for a backup point guard um, when you're looking for a guy like that. You're a guy who played three to four years in college knows what he is, and will come in and play his role perfectly, which I think Malachi Flynn does. And yeah, those steal numbers are fantastic, Con. And I actually think the steals are something that he can consistently get like almost every night just through playing good defense, mm-hmm. which is um, which is almost easier than him get, reaching 14 points a night. Yeah, I kind of want him now that I know that he's a point guard that plays good defense. So I'm pretty pissed that you actually brought him up. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like the Bulls could use him. No, we're fine. I love Sadoransky. We have Archie Diakono. <laughs> you know? Pick up Archie Diakono. He should be 100% on <laughs> That's my next pick, is Archie Diakono, because I hate Malachi Flynn. <laughs> um, alrighty. Uh, the next guy on your list is actually um, probably the most well-known character coming into this season. Uh, would you like to describe where he's at in his NBA journey? Because he's an interesting character who's had a very volatile season so far on a team that is also uh, a very volatile team. Yeah, the my next guy on the list is a guy who I really like um, even before he got drafted. Uh, I think he's a born winner. Um, he His father was a prestigious college and NBA player. And he played on, he went to North Carolina, and I think he played on one of the worst North Carolina teams they've probably had in the last 10 to 15 years, but even then he still shined. And that is Mr. Cole Anthony, who's currently 20% roster on ESPN gone, which seems really low. Um, He was the 15th pick. He does. Yeah, 20% is way too low. He was the 15th pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, He missed two months with a rib injury. But now that he's back, uh, he's going to get plenty of plenty of chances on the tanking Magic team. And he's come off his bench the last two games, Colin, but that's not going to last very long. Um, he's probably just yeah. getting his conditioning back. And even with coming off the bench, in his last two games, Colin, he's attempted 26 shots, and he's had a 26% usage rate, um, which clearly shows that this guy has a green light. Uh, the Magic are trusting him with the reins of the basketball in his hands. And while I do think he could hurt your percentages in the short term, um, he's been able to add pretty good non-scoring stats. Um, in his first game back, he finished with 13 points, 7 assists, and 1 rebound. 
And then in the second game back, he had eight points, five assists, nine rebounds. And especially with how soon the playoffs are coming, Colin, I think Cole Anthony has a really high ceiling um, as long as he doesn't have injury any injury limitations. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a guy who I do believe was close to 50% rostered, if not higher, when he was injured and down for two months in February. So just in games he started this season prior to getting injured, he was averaging 13 points, four and a half boards, four and a half assists, a steal, and shooting. This is this is where it gets weird. He was shooting 41% from the field and 39% from three. Ooh, so that's that tasty. to me is, is a very interesting stat and says that he's only going to improve on his two-point shot. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's a lot of youthful um, making moves to the bucket that just aren't there and figuring out how to get the touch around the rim. And a guy like Cole Anthony, that's only going to improve. That's only going to get better. He's going to figure out how to score down low being an undersized guard. And I like what he's going to be able to do upon coming back and being in a starter role, and especially a role that is now it's, it's his role. I mean, the Magic are in a complete rebuild, and he, I think, is their most valuable long-term piece at the moment. Yeah, and you're looking at picking up a guy this far into the fantasy season that is a team's number one option when he's fully healthy on the court, which I think is could be the steal of the season, even with only yeah. like three to four weeks left. Absolutely. You're all over it. Thank you. Yeah, um... I think we've talked about Cole Anthony before. It's it's probably been a while, but not enough good things to say about this kid. He was like a top five prospect coming out of high school and went through the injury bug at North Carolina as well, which is why a lot of uh, top analysts think that North Carolina was not as phenomenal when he was there as North Carolina teams traditionally are. So... His draft potential and his draft stock fell a bunch after that happened, which allowed him to go to the Magic at, like, the 14th pick. Um, I think that if he never gets injured in North Carolina, he's a top-five pick last year. I agree, honestly. I think he has top-five talent, easily. Oh, easily. Easily. I mean, like, at this point, like, who do you want, Cole Anthony or Nyako and Kongwu? I want Cole Anthony. Nine tenths out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would agree, and I honestly really like Onyeka Kongwu too. And and that's what I'm saying. I I think that Onyeka Kongwu is a phenomenal pick, but just for what you're getting at 14, Cole Anthony might be the steal of the draft, other than Tyrese. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I totally agree with that. And only 20% rostered right now, Colin? I imagine that will almost double by the end of this week. I think so as well. So get him now. Yeah. Also, to his credit, Nyako Nkongu is not getting a ton of minutes. He's playing about 11 minutes a game right now. Yeah, he's He's a development piece. He's a decent amount of action, but yeah. 
Um, I think they knew that. I think they right. knew that going in. They actually played 32 minutes the other night, which is a career high for Nyaka. Hell yeah. Let's go, Nyaka. He had his first career double-double. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's going to be really good, too. Um, he kind of reminds me of Bam, uh, which I think is always a positive for I the Hawks. You don't need Bam. That's kind of garbo, dude. Yeah, he's pretty bad. I'd rather have Laurie Markkinen. I'd rather have Ryan Archidiakono, who you should pick up, by the way. There's no reason that Ryan Archidiakono should be 0% rostered. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, <laughs> I am. That's some horseshit. That sucks. That's stupid. Do you have any more guys on your list, Colin? Um, no. I guess not, if we don't want to talk about Ryan Archidiakno anymore. <laughs> if Ryan Archidiakno isn't at least 25% rostered by the end of this week, Colin and I are done. You guys aren't getting any more podcasts from him. Yeah, no more podcasts. And you have to Venmo us $1,000 so that we can buy Top Shop packs. True. That's also true. If you don't Venmo us each $1,000, we're done making podcasts. You hear that, Jack Eagleton? Oh, he hears that. Right, Ren. Ren? You Ren, better, you know my Venmo. You better yeah, get to Venmo. You know and... Venmo. Yeah, get to Venmo right now, $1,000. We're not I'm giving these picks out for free money. anymore. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so, you know what? Starting next week, Noah and I are moving this podcast to our OnlyFans account. <laughs> <laughs> where we'll also post nudes of Ryan Archidiakno. No. Okay, maybe. Maybe. I'll consider it. <laughs> Alright, uh, my last guy, Con, is a guy who we've actually talked about a little earlier a bit in the season, and that is Juan mm-hmm. Toscano-Anderson, who plays for the Golden State Warriors, who is only 0.5% roster on ESPN right now. Um, That is ridiculous. You know, James Wiseman, uh, he tore his meniscus. It looks like he's probably going to be out for the rest of the season for the Warriors, which is pretty sad, um, but Mm. does open up an opportunity for Juan. And we actually saw this same situation happen earlier in the season where Wiseman, Kevon Looney, and Eric Pascal were all hurt, Con, and Juan came into that Warriors team and really um, helped them. And in that previous stint, Colin, he averaged 9.6 rebounds and 2.8 assists in 27 minutes per night. And if he can produce anywhere near that level again, I think he's a category superstar. Um, he certainly won't be filling up the point score, uh, the points, but he will be getting you those other peripheral stats, which you love in categories leagues. And only being 0.5% rostered, Colin, I don't see any reason not to take a chance on Juan when he's going to be playing upwards of 30 minutes a night for this Warriors team who still wants to make the playoffs and whose big men rotation is pretty thin at this point without James Wiseman. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has done really well in the absence of James Wiseman. Um, James Wiseman, a little bit disappointing. I think it's fair to say so far. I think that a lot of people... Uh, kind of figured out of the gate that he was going to be able to be uh, an elite defender pretty quickly, and that really hasn't panned out to be the case. So when Juan Toscano-Anderson has stepped in, honestly, I've watched some of their games. Um, you're missing a bit of the lob presence, but other than that, 
you know, I've felt that the Warriors have been able to jive pretty well. Um, he's able to still clean up the boards. Um, maybe not as much of a block presence. Um, but in the games in which he's started, Toscano Anderson has averaged about 8 points, 6 boards, 3 assists. He shoots 53% from the field. He actually shoots decently from three. He's about a 38% three-point shooter in games he's started this year, which is pretty solid for a big man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the Warriors are at their best when Draymond is playing at the five, too, um, which will he will have to be doing a lot of. But I think that's the best case for the scenarios. I think Draymond at the five, he can definitely take more advantage than when he's playing the four um when he has some of these big immobile centers on them Draymond feasts um both in terms of playmaking and on the defensive end so I think that the Warriors and Juan will both see a bump to their performances and you know James Wiseman I would say he's been a little disappointing Colin but you got to realize that he only played like 68 minutes total at college so we're really just watching a super young kid um thrown into the NBA, the highest caliber of basketball. Um, so I'm not too worried about James Wiseman. He's going to come around, and I think next year when they have Clay Thompson back, um, he's going to have an even easier time on the floor. Yeah, well, all I'm saying is that's 68 more minutes than I played in college, and you don't, you know, you don't hear anybody making excuses for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got a little – you got a better jumper than James Wiseman. Yeah, that's actually – a really good point and one that I can't emphasize enough is that my jumper is so much better like way better alrighty um would you like to run through your guys I've got um just some quick hitters that I think uh deserve to be shouted out after having some pretty solid weeks um, and these are some guys that maybe aren't as highly rostered as they should be right now because they're playing some solid basketball, they're running pretty hot, and they have been scoring fantasy points. So, with uh, without further ado, um, I'd like to shout out um, Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Hawks. He's about 70% rostered right now, but he has been an absolute torch for the Hawks on this spree of wins that they have embarked on. He's hitting from deep. He's doing a bit of everything. Um, he jumped up 20% in, in rosterness uh, in this last week, but absolutely get your hands on him if you can. A name that is pretty new to me, Noah, is Isaiah Hartenstein. I had him on my familiar list. familiar with an Isaiah Harton? Okay. Okay, then you can talk about Isaiah. No, you can talk about him. Uh, I honestly don't know that much about him other than he's German and his wife makes TikToks. Uh, that's actually how I first found out about Isaiah. Um, but he's been getting some minutes at the power forward for the Cavs, and he's made the most of the minutes. Uh, a very sneaky 50-point fantasy game out of the gentleman. He had 12 points, 8 boards, 6 assists, 3 steals, and 4 blocks yesterday against the Raptors. Uh, it's just it's just doing a bit of everything. 
the two games prior, he had 12 boards. He's had 16 points. You know, he just seems to be filling a lot of holes for the Cavs right now that I am going to take, you know. I'll invest in some Isaiah Hartenstein, and he cracks the top 35 fantasy point scores in this last week. Wow. That's actually really impressive. The Cavs kind of have a mean uh, white guy trio and him, Kevin Love, and Dean Wade uh, when they're all playing, which is pretty rare to see for an NBA front court. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give you that much. Um, KCP is 9% rostered, and he's going to continue to get a crap ton of shots. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky has... Started as the Bulls' point guard um, since Vucevic has come to the Bulls. He's actually been racking up assists. He is also top 50 this last week in points scored in fantasy. So I'd take a swing at him. Um, he's he's playing some good basketball. He really is, and he can uh, he can get to the rim. He he's all right. Um, Jay Sean Tate, another guy we've talked about. I think is capitalizing on the Rockets tankingness. He cracks the top 30 for fantasy points scored this last week. And then the last guy that we should shout out is young Reggie Jackson, who with 132 fantasy points this last week cracks the top 25 for fantasy scores um, in a points league. All very good picks. Yeah, yeah, they're all bangers. What do you got? Um, I'll just do a really quick speed read-through. Markeith Morris, Kyle Kuzma, Danilo Gallinari, Kevin Huerter, Bojan Bogdanovic, Jordan Clarkson, Darius Garland, Kevin Love, who's only 50% rostered right now, uh, and he's also playing back-to-back, so he should definitely be picked up. Uh, Miles Bridges, Will Barton, Theo Maladon, Isaiah Hardenstein, Corey Joseph, Alexei Pokashevsky, Sadiq Bey, Mo Bamba, Kem Birch, who I think is going to do really well in Toronto, uh, Chumo Kiki, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, Ben McLemore, who just got picked up by the Lakers, Dario Sarge, Damian Lee, Kevon Looney, Jordan Poole, Dean Wade, and Jeff T. Con. And that's my waiver wire pickups this week. And I think that wraps it up for us, Colin. Uh, I think this was a really good episode. It's a banger, Noah. And I think we're hitting the time limit, so we will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks for listening to Bench Chatter, the Common Man's NBA podcast. See ya. See ya.